Who is God? What does the Bible mean? the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaden. Thank you for joining me on this Reconnect podcast. This is the official English podcast of Shincheonji Church of Jesus, or New Heaven and New Earth in English. And it's a pleasure that you've joined once again. In our last episode, which I'm sure you've listened to if you're here listening to this now, <laughs> is we began a new series focused on prayer. And so for those of you who are new to the Reconnect podcast, our last series was focused on the spiritual armor, the weaponry, the spiritual equipment that God has given us so that we can be victorious spiritual warriors. Now, prayer is the final piece of the armor and of the weapons mentioned in that list. After our previous episode, a few of us sent us messages asking about how you can grow your prayer life and develop it in a way that would be less like asking God to grant wishes and more focus on aligning your own spiritual goals with God's. So today, I want to recap a few points that we mentioned in the last episode and then introduce some tools that our team here at the Reconnect podcast have come up with to help you. So first up, the first point I want to go back to is a promise that Jesus made with everyone who believes in him regarding our needs and the things that so often consume our thoughts and potentially distract us from what our priorities in prayer should be. Before we go there, it's important to remember that as people who have chosen to follow Jesus, it's not enough to simply believe in him. Rather, we must actually believe him. I mean, we must trust him. This is way easier said than done for most of us, especially for myself. It's really easy to allow the Bible, that book we carry back and forth to church, or only really open during a Bible study when we feel like we should open it because of some kind of peer pressure. It's really easy to allow the Bible to be just words on paper. When we read about Jesus talking to his disciples, we might imagine him in robes and sandals, talking to people a long, long time ago. Not a smartphone in sight. But to people who can really call ourselves believers, we, we need to not just believe in Jesus, we need to believe Jesus. I'll say it again. Please let it sink in. We need to not just believe in Jesus, but we need to believe Jesus, believe him. Jesus himself told us that he doesn't just say whatever he likes. He says and does only what the Father, that is God, tells him to do. This is clearly stated in Jesus' own words in John 5 verse 19 and John 14 verse 23 to 24. Let's read them. John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Amen. So in this verse, Jesus tells those who believe him, meaning you and me, right? That he does nothing by himself. He can only do what he has seen his father doing. This includes speaking. He goes on to reiterate this a number of times throughout his ministry recorded in the Gospels. One of these is what I mentioned earlier, John 14, verse 23 to 24. It says, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. 
These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Amen. Okay, so Jesus is setting a few standards in that last passage. And since we know that it's not enough to just believe in Jesus, but that we should actually believe him, we need to make a little mental note here that what Jesus is telling us, the words he's giving us, is actually teaching. His teachings. And he said, those who do not love me will not obey my teaching. Whereas those who do love me do obey my teaching. So then let's go back to that verse we repeated so many times in our last episode. I'm sure you can guess which one it is if you've listened to it recently. It's a teaching about what our highest priority should be. It's Jesus literally telling us what should, in all circumstances and situations, be our number one goal. We can find that in Matthew 6 verse 33. While teaching his disciples about prayer, Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. By all these things, Jesus is talking about the day-to-day worries and concerns that so often clutter up our mental and emotional spaces and end up elbowing out what should be our number one priority, seeking the kingdom of heaven. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is one of those teachings that Jesus tells us is not something he just said because he felt like it. Right? He said, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So it's not just Jesus saying, well, uh, this is what I want to tell people. No, this is what the Father had given him to say. And here I want to point out that this is not a new idea that just appears in the New Testament either. I'm sure, maybe, perhaps, uh, maybe I'm generalizing here, but maybe many of us who are listening grew up in Protestant Western churches. I have often heard a speech about tithing or giving money, uh, giving money to God in a way that encourages people to give and test God to see whether he wouldn't keep his word and bless them in return. Now, this is based on the promise uh, that God makes in Malachi 3 verse 10, where it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Amen. Pretty cool, right? We know that according to Numbers 23 verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God keeps his promises. This, as we looked at when we covered the breastplate of righteousness in previous episode, is the foundation of God's righteousness. God keeps his promises. The thing is, more than our money and sacrifices, God wants our acknowledgement. This means that God wants us to recognize him for who he is, our loving creator who has been working tirelessly to reconnect with us since sin and corruption entered his precious creation, the time of Adam. This is so clearly expressed through the words of the prophet Hosea in Hosea 6 verse 6 where it says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Amen. I've taken the long way around to getting to this next point because it's so important. And so I hope you're still with me here. More than our offerings and sacrifices of money, the most precious thing we can sacrifice for God is our time. 
And this is what it means to really acknowledge God. When we acknowledge another person in any of our physical relationships, it means that we recognize them as being worthy of our time and attention. This is what God wants before any other type of sacrifice. If you think about your friendships and other relationships, you know, that we bond over shared activities and projects, we do things together with the people we love and we care about what they're doing or how they're doing in their projects. This is acknowledging another person. Since the time of Eden, God has been doing a massive restoration project on his creation. He has been working ceaselessly to reconnect with us and undo the corruption and disconnection caused by sin. Acknowledging God means us taking an active interest in his projects, God's project of restoration, and where possible, jumping in to help him achieve his goal. Just like we would with any of our friends in the physical world. Now, if God is willing to say that we can test him in our offering of tithes, how much more do you think he is willing to keep his word to us about the promise he makes in Matthew 6 verse 33 concerning his greatest project of all? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This great project of God's kingdom. In Joshua 1 verse 6 to 9, the Bible tells us, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. What a fantastic passage of scripture. Although, this is actually not that different from what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, right? Being strong and courageous because God is with you. It's very similar to not worrying about what you'll eat or wear because God already knows what you need and he's going to provide them for you. But see, even here, there is a condition set for the people at Joshua's time. God's provision and blessing is dependent on them not letting the book of the law, that is God's word for them at that time, depart from their mouths. They must meditate on it day and night and do everything written in it. Very similar to what Jesus had to say in Matthew 6 verse 33 and in John 14. This is why as believers we need to develop healthy personal habits towards three things. We can describe these as the three pillars of living a life of faith. So what are these three pillars? Well the three pillars are the word, actions based on what we know the word teaches us, and prayer. Word, actions, and prayer. For an idea of how important the word is, let's just go back to that verse in John 14 I read earlier. It says, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. 
These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Amen. To obey Jesus' teachings, we need to know what they are. (laughs) We can't just imagine that Jesus said something or taught something and then act according to that. That would just be acting according to our own will, meaning we're just loving ourselves. (laughs) It was the same for the people at the time of Joshua. In the passage we just read from Joshua 1, God says to his people, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Amen. Do you think somebody who believes God, not just believe in God, not just someone who believes God's real or exists, but someone who actually believes God, believes what he says, do you think they can trust God to keep this promise? And if God does keep his promise, like it says in Numbers 23, then is this something he will not fulfill? In the very next breath, however, I want to point out that just following our favorite preacher, YouTuber, or even podcast like this one, yay, as the definitive standard for what the word actually says is dangerous, we may actually end up just following somebody's opinion rather than the word itself. That's why we need to know for ourselves what the word says. This takes two things, effort and time. The greatest sacrifice of all, our concentrated effort and our time. But here's the thing, if God's word starts with a story of how God established his kingdom on earth, the Garden of Eden in Genesis, and then how it was lost to corruption, and then how each generation of people with whom he subsequently made a covenant betrayed him and broke the covenant. But how in the end, in the book of Revelation, there is an eternal kingdom of God that is finally established. And when God's righteous acts are revealed, then is there any other place than the word of God where we can seek the kingdom? If we are truly seeking God's kingdom first, we need to seek for it in the word. How is God going to accomplish his work though? In the past, in every generation, he has acted through people. In fact, the only way that we have the word of God today, meaning the only way we have the Bible, is because of the actions that people took who were obedient to God. This brings us to the actions part. And another verse I feel like we've been going to a lot lately is James 1 verse 22 verse 25. Do not merely listen to the word, And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Amen. When we know what the word says and means... We can and we must act on it. This is also in keeping with what Jesus has told us in that verse we read earlier. Should I read it again? John 14, verse 23 to 24. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Amen. Obeying the teachings of Jesus means acting on them. 
Now, let's be honest. <laughs> That's a tall order. Getting a whole lot of knowledge and exciting insight into what the Bible is about and starting to understand God's plan unfold as we begin to get a broader understanding of the entirety of Scripture for ourselves. It's really cool. It's something I remember so well from while I was doing my first few Bible studies with Shintunji. But understanding is always exciting. However, the nitty-gritty, day-to-day grind of actually living it out, that's what's really tough. I mean, if you need more examples of this, just go look at what the disciples had to endure. Sure, they, I mean, they understood more than anyone else at their time about God's Word and God's plan. They were even around Jesus himself, his closest disciples. But man, living it out was tough. This is why we need prayer. Prayer is both our opportunity to reach out to our God for help, but also a chance for us to meditate and rein in thoughts that might be getting out of control. While we might not be able to whip out our Bible at a moment's notice and submerge ourselves in the Word, if we even just have one or two verses that we know and we understand and they're already in our, our minds, think of Matthew 6.33. John 14, 23, 24 says, we've already read them a few times even just in this episode. Then we're able to come before God through prayer and confess that we know that God wants us to put his kingdom first. And we know we should be obeying the teachings of Jesus. And we know that God always keeps his promises. By knowing these things and coming before God with a sincere heart, we're able to ask for help in a way that aligns with God's purpose. What I mean by this is that under normal circumstances, we often ask for help to escape from situations or achieve things that we feel are ordinarily beyond our own ability. <laughs> we might scratch a lotto card and whisper a prayer that God would somehow intervene in our destiny. But in that moment, we are not, I mean, in most situations at least, we're not motivated by seeking first God's kingdom. We are, if we're being honest, seeking our own kingdom, right? We're seeking our own comfort first. But when we approach God with a heart sincerely centered on wanting to do better and be better because of what God wants rather than what we want, this is when our prayers start to be truly powerful. So to sum up, our lives of faith are built on the three major pillars. You remember what they are? The Word, Actions, which are based on the correct understanding of the word, and prayer. This might seem a bit overwhelming if you feel like you're struggling a bit with these things. So here are some tips that have really helped me grow and develop. First tip, getting into the habit. As humans, habits are really powerful. Most of the time, the reasons we struggle with implementing a lot of what we know we should be doing, whether on a spiritual or physical level, is because we already have habits in place that kind of take up our time and headspace. It can be really hard to get new things started. The good news is that the first steps are always the most difficult. Once the ball gets rolling, it gains momentum, and sooner than you think, a habit of prayer and meditating on God's word is as natural as checking your social media. One way to start is to set a reminder for yourself, to check in with yourself in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. In the morning, you might want to say a prayer before you get out of bed and 
ask God just like Moses did to go with you into your day. Otherwise, you'd rather not move from where you are right now. This, I admit, is one of my go-to morning verses. Exodus 33, verse 12 to 17. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Amen. I mean, if you are brave and sincere, why not ask God to go with you like he did with Moses, right? At noon, you might want to check in with yourself and ask whether you've allowed God's word to depart from you. How often has it been in your thoughts during the morning? Could you have done anything differently during the course of your morning to act more in line with what you know Jesus taught? Please remember, this is not a self-inflicted beating. This is just a check-in. It's all about growth, reflecting, changing. Mistakes and slips, not important. We are surrounded, the book of Hebrews tells us, by a cloud of witnesses while we are running this race. People who watch races cheer for the runners. God and all the spirits of heaven are cheering for you. Cheering for me as well. When a runner slips up and gets up and keeps going, the crowd goes wild in our physical stadium events. Do you think heaven's reaction is less enthusiastic? In the same passage in Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. Crucifixion is a death sentence for criminals, people unworthy of living in society. Notice that Jesus didn't scorn the cross, right? He scorned its shame. Rather, he endured the cross. We will make mistakes, but we are free to scorn their shame. Do not let shame for any slips you may have along the path of growth and seeking God's kingdom first burden you. Endure the slips, but remind yourself that we all slip up from time to time. There is no shame that is able to cover over the glory of God's kingdom, and God himself is cheering you on as you get up and keep going. So at lunch, check in with yourself. Remind yourself with whatever has happened. You can always say sorry and be better in the afternoon. As always, sincerity is the key. This is perhaps the perfect time to say a short prayer, thanking God for helping you in the morning and asking him to help you reset your focus in the afternoon. After all, you made an agreement this morning not to get out of bed unless God's presence went with you, right? It is not unreasonable to expect that if you are seeking first his kingdom and righteousness, that God's spirit is helping you on the way. In the evening, it's a great time to reflect on the day. It's an opportunity to check in and see whether you did today better than you did yesterday. It's also a great time to maybe write in a journal or reflect how you leaned on the three pillars of the word, actions and prayer. Were they a feature of your day? Did you forget about them? What can you do to feel better about them tomorrow? 
Remember that verse I spoke about earlier in Hebrews? Let's go there and read it because it's an important verse to keep in mind as we live our lives of faith day to day. We're going to read Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. By making this kind of effort day by day, you can be assured that no matter how many times you might slip up or lose focus, as long as you get up and keep moving forward, you are growing, and all of heaven is cheering for you as you do. By making your search for God's kingdom your number one priority, to the extent that you are prepared to remind yourself throughout the day of the importance of it, you are not opposing Jesus, like the sinful men mentioned in Hebrews 12. Instead, you are taking steps towards being able to more fully obey Jesus' teachings. And you know what? While you might slip up, while I will slip up, going forward in this race is what counts. So as we wrap up this episode, I just want to offer you guys some advice for the road. Because we are dealing with faith, religion, and the idea of standards, there's a very real possibility of getting ourselves into a place where we start becoming judgmental of both others and especially ourselves. This is an awful place to be in, and honestly, it it can make us awful people to be around. Reconnecting with God is a joyful thing. Since the time of Adam, God has been going out of his way to reach out to us and open up a path between himself and his creation. A connection that was originally there, but was cut off by sin. Through Jesus, God made the way open, but now the ball is very much in our court. If we are serious about our lives of faith, we also need to make the effort to move towards God. Perhaps you have been seeking God's kingdom, not as the number one priority all the time, but perhaps you've sought him and are still seeking him now. Perhaps that's why you are listening to this podcast. Perhaps that is why God has allowed our paths to cross through this podcast. That's something worth celebrating and thanking God for. But perhaps you are also struggling. It's so easy to allow the shame and frustration we feel when we make mistakes to lead us into a place where we feel disheartened. That's a fancy way of saying, we just don't feel good enough and we want to give up. If you feel like that, I want you to do something. Take one verse, Matthew 6 verse 33, and commit it to memory. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. It's just 19 words. Make a song. Make a rap out of it. Seek first. No, no, I'm not going to rap. I'm not going to wrap it for you. Just make it yours and keep it nearby on your phone or a piece of paper. When you feel discouraged or super judgy about yourself or anyone else, remember what Jesus told us. This is what he said in John 15 verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Amen. Being in Christ 
means having His words within us. And if you have Matthew 6 verse 33 within you, it is a great start. In Romans 8 verse 1, the author, Apostle Paul, tells us that, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now sure, there is a standard to me here. We are only free from condemnation and judgment if we remain in Christ Jesus. But we know what that standard is, having his word remain in us. Then having the actions to follow those words. This is a process and whenever you feel disheartened or discouraged, remind yourself of Matthew 6 verse 33. Those are Jesus' words. If we can each just steer ourselves a little closer to being obedient and taking actions based on that single verse every day, then we are moving forwards towards the same goal as God. I hope this can be encouraging and what we've shared today helps you. Actually, as a little bit of help, we've put together a PDF to accompany this episode, which you can download from the show notes for this episode or from our blog over at asitisinheaven.com with hyphens in between each word. Download the PDF, print it out or import it into an app of your choice. Keep the verses we discussed today on hand and use them for your prayer check-ins. Cut it up, stick the verse references on little cue cards you can carry in your wallet or, or in your phone or wherever is convenient. And remember, we are all on this exciting road together. So if you ever want to reach out for a little bit of help or encouragement on the way, please feel free to drop us a line. In our next episode, we're going to start taking a closer look at the way Jesus taught us to pray and unpacking the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse by verse. We'll start by looking at why and how we as animals can call God our Father. Did you know that there is more to it than God simply being our Creator? Anyway, that's for next time. So I hope that you'll join us again in our next episode. Thank you for joining us here on the Reconnect Podcast. My name's Jaden. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you next time.